to the favorite of God. My, you're such a radiant looking bunch today. You ought to just look across the aisle. Some of those beautiful people who have graced our presence today in this, the worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only is it a blessing to see uh, many of our faithful folk here at Harvest Church in the house today, but it's a real joy to see our special guests who have come to worship with us today. Can we give those folks a warm welcome? You understand that we never reverence people here as visitors, but always as special guests. We are honored today to have you with us. Many weeks ago, we began a series, and we want to continue in that series today. The series, Who Do You Say I Am? You're going to see some reminders on the screen. We had a great, great turnout in Wednesday evening Bible study. Thank you so much for being here, being a participant of that wonderful time that we share together in the Lord. So from time to time, you'll see other things scroll across the screen. Um, just as a reminder to you, I want to remind everyone that April 4th is not only Resurrection Sunday, but it's First Fruit Sunday. We're going to do some special things that day. We're going to receive new members here at Harvest Church. And amen. We ought to be excited about that. Because I converse with pastors around this county and other counties of the many inconveniences that COVID-19 has caused. But can I report to you that we're, in, we're experiencing an increase at Harvest Church? Can I just give you that bit of information today? Amen. Can I say that even new people have joined us in our outdoor services that lasted for over eight months and now? Um, as we have been live back in the sanctuary since late November, even more have joined us. So we thank God for you, and we thank God for all those persons whom the Lord has impressed to be a part of our regular worship services here at Harvest Church. And God is doing great things, and we're going forward together. Amen? We're going forward together by the mercy and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you would stand, we want to read just a brief passage of Scripture in your hearing. Penned in Paul's letter to the Romans in Romans chapter number 5, verses 6 through 8. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. If you're there, shout, I'm with you. Nobody's with me? Amen. If you come and say, I'll be there in a minute. I'm under the assumption everybody's there. Romans 5 and verse number 6. The word of the Lord states in our presence. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates one translation said, God commends his love. He demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to continue in this series, Who Do You Say I Am? And entitled today's message, Why Did Jesus Come to die. Why did Jesus come to die? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you that as we stand here in this moment, we're only able to do so through the blood sacrifice of your Son. Lord, would you anoint us as we minister your word today that it would penetrate the hearts of all hearers. Lord, both present and those viewing via social media today. Heavenly Father, we know that in ourselves we are nothing. But by you we are able to accomplish great things. If there's one person under our voice 
who is lost without you. We release the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to bring them to salvation. Let it be done. I pray that you would strengthen every saint of God. Reclaim every soul who has grown cold and indifferent towards you. Heal the brokenhearted. Today is our prayer. In Jesus' name, his children said amen. Amen. You might be seated in the presence of God. Through the ages, many scholars, theologians alike, have deemed the book of Romans as Paul's magnum opus, often considered his most important or greatest work. And in these few verses, Paul both expands and expounds upon the love of God that is already revealed to us in the gospel according to John chapter 3 and verse 16. But despite historical evidence, we know what the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Brother Alfred, in spite of this great body of historical evidence, many people have doubted that Jesus' death and resurrection ever happened. Many people doubt that he ever gave his life and then rose from an earthly tomb. But evidence supports this. So for the believer, often our question is, why was Jesus crucified? I do believe the answer is found within the pages of God's word. And I believe the answer is much more than just to bear the sins or the punishment of sin for the unbeliever. In a book written by John Stephen Piper, who is an American pastor, theologian, and also serves as the chancellor of Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota. In a book that he penned called the Passion of Jesus Christ, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. I was inspired to preach this message. I pray that you'll remember that and that possibly in your leisure you would take time to read this great work by Mr. Piper. For as believers today, it's vital that we grasp and that we share the sovereignly designed purposes of the death of Jesus Christ. And I'm only going to name a few for the sake of time. As I want us to understand something, Jesus didn't just come to save sinners. Are you with me, saints of God? Jesus didn't just come to save sinners. His death didn't merely precede his resurrection. It was something that before the foundations of the world that God had foreordained. The Bible says that he was raised not just after the shedding of his blood, but he was raised by the shedding of his blood. You see, the raft of God, uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 17, the Bible tells us that the raft of God was satisfied with the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. And he tells the, the readers, if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile. For you are still in your sins. Now how startling is that today, that if we don't believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that we are still accountable or we are still living in our former state of sin. Brother Ernie, I know that I was a sinner, but that's past tense. I'm no longer a sinner. I today am a child of God through the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I know that my sins are no longer accounted to me. Isn't that a blessing today? So what does the resurrection prove? It proves that the death of Jesus Christ is an all-sufficient price for the sins of humanity. That's what it proves. You see, it's not sin in general that cuts me off from God. It's my sin. That makes it personal, Pastor Steve. It's not sin on a broader scale 
that sheds light on that reality. It's the fact that my sin separated me from God. And that's why that God in his masterful design and the grand scheme of things has created us as free moral agents and that one day we will stand before the righteous God of heaven and earth. Amen. And we will give an account for everything that we've done in these bodies while upon the earth. Isn't that amazing? I want us to understand something here today. Amen to God. We often hear the word uh, in Christian circles being justified. We often hear a justification. But I want us to know that being justified in a court of law is not the same as being forgiven in the sight of God. Can somebody raise your hand and give the Lord praise? Amen. I know what it's like in a courtroom setting to hear uh, both cases. And for the judge who is sitting there that is not righteous himself to pass the sentence upon those parties who are appealing hearing in his presence but how many of us understand today brother Marty the great significance that there is in being forgiven it's not the same as being justified justified does not make us just it declares us as just oh my being forgiven implies this, that I'm guilty and the crime that I committed is not counted unto me. Somebody missed a good place to shout unto God. But the Bible tells us that justification in itself unveils a process and that process is sanctification. Anybody know what sanctification is? It is the process of becoming good. It's the process of becoming good. We were not born good. As pretty as you are, Amen. As good as you smell here this morning, we were not born good. We were born in sin and shapened in iniquity. But thank God that God saw our great need of a Savior who is Jesus Christ the Lord. And he did not just die for the sins of humanity, but he died for my, our many other flaws as well. I got to preach while I'm here. Because there's a verse that piqued my interest. And that verse is Paul's writing to the Romans in Romans 8 and 32. Romans 8 and 32. And the Bible said, He did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. So how shall we not with Him also freely give us all things? Does that pique your interest at all? Knowing that God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, then how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You need to underline all things. So what does give us all things mean? What, is, what does that mean? I want to help us because there's logic behind this verse. And that is that God's total commitment to give us all things is more than the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. For God didn't stop at the death and resurrection of Jesus, nor did God stop with justification, but has declared that he will freely give us all things. What things? Those things that pertain to glorification. Those things that pertain to sanctification. All things. God has declared, I'm going to give to you all things. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 18. He tells us this. He says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. You all know Peter. Remember Peter? The guy that will get remembered for the one bad thing he did, but never for anything good he did for God. Brother Terry's going to always be remembered, one, for the one who denied Jesus, and secondly, he's going to be remembered as the one who had little faith and walked out on the water and began to sink. He's going to be remembered for those things if he doesn't be remembered for anything else. But can I help you understand something about Peter? Peter became so devoted, amen, to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ that when it came time for his death, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord, so you can put me upside down and, and take my life. Amen? That's the Peter that I want to remember from the Word of God. That's him. But Peter sums up the gospel message in four phrases in this verse. He sums it up. He says Christ suffered. Ultimately, he died. 
Amen. He was crucified, put to death. He was made alive by the Spirit of God. Are you with me, somebody? And then ultimately, he did what? He brought us unto God. Is anybody glad today that Jesus' sacrifice brought us unto God? Is anybody grateful in Harvest Church today that one time we were detached, we were separated, that at one time we were aliens and strangers and pilgrims, but now we've been made the sons and daughters of God. I wish I had about three people in here that would understand your heritage. I wish I had some help that would know today that you're a child of God. Amen. Your, your sins are in your past. They are dead and buried. And Amen. They can't be brought up before you again. The Bible said we're dead and our lives are hidden with Christ in God. So why did Jesus come to die? Many of us would say, God, I have a question. We're so inquisitive. Am I right? Ever watch babies when they enter those stages to who, what, when, where, and why? Ever watch them when they entered it? Oh, man, it'll cause you to stretch yourself. Amen. Who called you to go back to school? Are you with me, somebody? Because let me tell you something. We live in a technologically advanced age. Am I right? Give a baby a cell phone, he'll navigate around it better than you can. You know why? Because we put it in their hands as a piece of entertainment. I'm going to preach this while I'm here. We put it in their hands as a means to keep them a little quiet sometimes. But let me tell you something they'll do. They'll get on there and buy stuff you'll have to pay for. Be cautious got to be careful here, Pastor. God, I have a question. I don't understand. we got to be real careful here. We're filled with wonder, are we not? We're inquisitive by nature. we just got to find out. But, the, but a question is a sentence that's worded or expressed so that it's to elicit or to draw out or extract an answer or information. So believe you me, if we're going to question God, it better be legit. Amen? We need to be legit if we're going to question God because when we question God, we're wondering why God couldn't find another way to redeem mankind. Somebody says, is it wrong to question God? No, it's not wrong, but you better come at him right. Amen. We better come before the Lord reverently. We better understand that he's God. Hello, somebody. Don't matter how grown we get, he's still God. We become adults and we think our moms and dads don't still, oh, hello, somebody. We get grown and we think our moms and dads can't tell us anything or, or steer us in the way of correction. But hello, I want to tell you, somebody, I'm still your daddy. Amen. I tell my children, I'm still your father. We need to know that God's still our father. And we're not just going to come at him sideways. Amen. We're going to come with the right attitude. We're going to come humbly and reverently in the presence of God. So for us to be filled with wonder and be so inquisitive and we hint to the fact that God couldn't find another way, here's what it implies. It implies that the way that he has chosen is not the best. It implies that the way that he has chosen, there could possibly be a better method. I want to report to Satan today, there's only one way to God and that's through his son. Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I don't care what theology or psychology you've invested in. I want you to know that written in the pages of his eternal word, Jesus said this statement in John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God except by me. You ought to praise him. Come on. You ought to praise him. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 8. You know why I make that statement? Isaiah 55 and 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. God doesn't have to give us reasonings behind why he did what he did. He's God. He has no equal. He has no rival. And who are we to question God? It's a part of our human nature. Oh, my somebody. But God can't overlook sin, can he? If God overlooked sin, what would that do to God's character? What would that do to God's nature? It would violate it. Is that possible? Is not one of the qualities of God is the fact that he is immutable 
Not only is he unchangeable, he is not subject to change. Not only is he omnipresent and omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Not only is he present everywhere, but he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. You think you know a better way than God? I beg to differ. So be cautious when questioning God. Overlooking sin would make God unjust. Is being just a part of God's character? Yes, it is. What, is. what does being just mean? It means that God is consistent. It means that God is virtuous. It means that he is innocent. It means that God is right. And anything outside of that would be a violation of his character. We need to understand those things very clearly. But God has informed us in his word. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I help somebody? Come on. Come on. Can I help somebody? Can I tell us here today that right here in the very presence of God that we need not be mistaken that death is not only the final but death is the present result of sin and the Bible said amen that God and sin cannot cohabitate that God and sin can't live together. Can I tell you that for God to live in us sin has got to go. Sin's got to go. Well, preacher, what are you telling me that Romans 6.23 says? Romans 6.23 says is that death is God's just consequence for sin. That's how God said, I'm going to deal with sin. You either get right or I'm going to cut you off. That's what God is saying. Does not the word death in the Bible represent separation? Are we not aware of the fact that there are three deaths recorded in the scriptures? That of the physical man that of the spiritual man, and that of eternity. Do we hear that? Do we know that we can be cut off from God eternally? Many preachers don't want to proclaim this from a podium or a pulpit. Many preachers don't want you to know, glory to God, that your sin is going to separate you from God. But this is what the Bible says. The Bible says if we go on sinning, we are none of His. Hallelujah. We belong then to the enemy. So let me say to us, we are not perfect. We are striving to be. But if we are a continual, habitual practicer of sin, then we do not belong to God. It's impossible. It's impossible. And it's penned in the pages of God's everlasting word. So, so my friend, you, you say, God, I have this question. Was there not another way? No, it took the death of Jesus because salvation is no good if it only saves from hell, but it doesn't save us from God. Forgiveness is no good if it only gives relief from guilt, but it doesn't open the way to God. Justification is no good if it only makes us legally acceptable, but doesn't put us into fellowship with God. I want to tell you that redemption is no good if it only liberates us from the bondage, amen, to God, but doesn't bring us to God. Brother Jerry, can I tell you that adoption is no good if it just places me in the family of God, but doesn't place me in the arms of God. Woo, glory to God. So it took the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ to bring about our reconciliation, to bring us back into oneness with God. It's the single greatest transaction the world has ever seen. Amen. For one day God made a deposit in our life. Can I get a witness? Oh my. And thank God Sister Murders, he'll never make a withdrawal. Can I preach this while I'm here? Oh, praise his righteous name. Amen. I want to thank the living God today that one day he looked upon us and he saw the measure of our sin and then he sought, glory to God, a means to bring us back together, to reconcile us back to him. The only way that was possible was through Jesus. John the Revelator said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And the Bible said that John began to weep. Because there was no one on the earth. No one beneath the earth. Worthy to open the book. Uh -huh. And to loose the scrolls. But the Bible said the elder said, weep not, John. <laughs> he said, weep not, John. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He hath prevailed to open the book. 
Anybody know who John was talking about? He was talking about Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah. Now, in a lengthy discourse of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 53 tells us, amen, they likened the sacrifice of a lamb that was slaughtered for the sins of the world. And it's a lengthy piece, but I want you to understand, glory to God, that from the time of Adam all the way to Jesus, that God sent prophets, God sent preachers, God sent messengers to warn mankind of sin's punishment and to foretell of a coming Messiah. Are you with me? Here's what the prophet said, who's believed our report. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. For he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Lord, help me. Just a few minutes, God. For surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But hear me, somebody. This is for somebody in this church right now. Here's what the word of the Lord says. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yet he was oppressed and, not, and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Listen, saints of God, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. I'm talking about Jesus, the Lamb of God. They made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. And when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Holy Ghost, help me. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Oh, glory. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. Anybody a part of that many today? Give me a wave offering. For he shall bear their iniquities. Did Jesus bear your sin today? You ought to be on your feet around here like popcorn today, giving him praise. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the small with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressions. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. His name is Jesus. One writer said he's Mary's baby. Another said he's the bright and the morning star. One said he's the sweet rose of Sharon. I heard another writer say he's the lily in the valley. But I'm so glad, Brother Anthony, today that I can call him Lord. Wow, glory to God. Somebody ought to hit me today. Amen. Somebody ought to rejoice in the fact today that he came to die. Amen for you and I. Amen. I've been healed from the disease of sin. Oh, my. Hallelujah. Now I've been adopted into the family of God. Yeah, and I'm safe in his arms. Are you with me, saints? Can I preach this while I'm here? Oh, my. So somebody said, why did Jesus have to die? Because sin cannot go unpunished. Sin can't go unpunished. It would violate God's character. And I want to tell you that Jesus had to die because he's the only one who could pay the penalty for sin. That'll hair lip the devil. I said, he's the only one who could pay the penalty 
for sin. We know the Old Testament order and ritual of the sacrifice was there had to be a spotless lamb. That animal had to be unblemished. It had to be without defect or flaw. Hallelujah. Martin Luther said it like this. You know Martin Luther, the Reformation. Know Martin Luther, Catholic Church. Let me tell you something. You know what Martin Luther said? Martin Luther said God couldn't die as a man, so he became human. Whoa, glory to God. He couldn't die as God, so he became a man. Y'all missed it. I said he couldn't die as God because he's everlasting. Are you with me, Brother Timmy? He couldn't die as God. So what did he do? He, meant he, 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 he sent his son Jesus in the form of humanity amen, and touched base with us to understand everything that we go through, that he went through. So then we, glory to God, would understand what Christ endured and why he endured those things he did. Oh, my, my, my. Sin can't go unpunished. And Christ is the only one who can pay the penalty of sin. Buddha couldn't do it. Muhammad couldn't do it. Hare Krishna can't do it. Are you with me? No other great spiritual leader of our time could do it. Mother Teresa couldn't do it. Why? Because she was not sinless. None of those aforenamed persons were sinless. But Jesus Christ is a sinless Lamb of God. Amen. The only access unto God is Jesus Christ, his son. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. You've, you, you've heard this scripture before. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Underline the word propitiation because it means atoning sacrifice propitiation means that it was the only means through which man could be restored to God Jesus shed blood did not the Bible tell us in the Old Testament that the life is in the blood didn't the scriptures tell us Amen. In the New Testament writing that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin or forgiveness for sin. Then how can we expect to be right with God if there's no bloodshed? And not just any bloodshed. It had to be perfect, sinless in the sight of God. Now, somebody would want you to believe that even though God used John to write these words, that this, this was just some created, made-up concoction. I want to report to you today that the law of God had its purpose. Is not the law of God an extension of His nature? It's an extension of who God is. And I want to tell us, saints, that God did not invent morality. He didn't invent morality. He just revealed Himself to us. And in him, we discover morality. It's a part of his nature, a part of his character. Anybody ever heard of Sir Isaac Newton? The law of gravity. Let's go back to school for a minute. I got a couple educators in here. Raise your hand. I got a couple educators. Anybody want to go back to school? Brother Jody? Anybody else? A couple educators in here. Everybody, listen, they've had a long break. Anybody ready to go back to school? <laughs> Ready to go back to school. You ever heard of Sir Isaac Newton? Sir Isaac Newton presented the equation, the law of gravity. Am I right? That's been a long time since pastor been in school. But let me help us here. All that Isaac Newton did is revealed to us by describing the effects and nature of gravity. Does anybody know he didn't create gravity? Y'all know I'm going somewhere. Stick with me. It might get bumpy, but we're going somewhere. He didn't create gravity. God did. Oh, my somebody. He was just an English mathematician, a physicist, an astronomer, and a theologian. He was just a man. Oh, my. 
Can I tell you that writers didn't just write the law? Are you with me? Writers didn't just write the law. The law did what? The law transcended. The law of gravity transcended its description. Are you with me? The law of gravity transcended or it, it preceded Isaac Newton's description of gravity. Can I bless us by telling us today that similarly the nature of sin and righteousness reveals itself through the word of God because death and life, justice and mercy proceed and transcend. Amen. Are you with me? They transcend the law. The writing of the law. It was before the penning of the law. God cannot set aside his wrath for sin any more than we can change our DNA. Because he's already declared in his word that sin will not go unpunished. So Brother Marty, God can't violate that. If he violates that, then he's not God. The Bible said in Numbers 23, God is not a man that he should lie. Or the son of man that he should repent. Are you getting this, saints of God? Sister Shunyasha, it would violate God's nature if God lied. And that's why sin cannot go unpunished. Oh, my. Listen to Psalms 119 and verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Does the word of God have any value? If the writer pens, it's forever settled in heaven. You better believe it. Did God not value his word above his name? Somebody say amen. Amen. Did God not value his word above his name? The word of God has great value. It is not just some collection of stories, uh, of proverbs and songs. It is not just some concocted script that somebody came up with. It is the inspired word of the living God. And what God said in his word, he is able to bring to pass, Brother Jeff. What God said in his word will stand when the world is on fire. From everlasting to everlasting, he's God he's God make no quarrels about it he didn't listen the devil will want you to believe that God sacrificed himself to himself to save himself from himself are y'all getting that brother Ernie you chuckled must have been pretty comical but it indeed was not some concoction oh my because the law of God is an outflowing of his nature. And therefore the law of God is unchangeable. Because God cannot change. He can't change. I love what Philip Yancey said. He's a Christian author who writes mostly on spiritual subjects. Very well known in Christian circles. He's written a number of books. Huge sellers. And Philip Yancey says this. He says at Calvary. God accepted his own unbreakable terms of justice at Calvary. Pastor, I don't understand. Do we remember when Jesus cried out on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Philip Yancey says it was there. On the cross, that God accepted his own unbreakable terms of justice. Because only the shedding of blood could forgive sin. Oh my. The Bible said, amen, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we need to understand it took perfect for imperfection to be made right. To be made holy in the sight of God. So then you say, well then preacher, Jesus came to die to... I mean, what? What did Jesus come to die to? In that book we spoke about earlier, 
The Bible tells us that the author highlights several reasons Jesus came to die, and I want to name just a few in your presence today. I want to name just a few. Number one, Jesus came to reconcile us to God. Can I see any witnesses in here today that know Jesus came to bring you and God back into relationship? Brother Anthony, what's my favorite definition of reconcile? To kiss and make up. That's my favorite definition of the word reconcile. Reconcile means to restore to harmony, to make one again. That's what reconcile means. So not only did Jesus come to to bear the punishment of sin, not only did Jesus come to save sinners, but Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Doesn't that sum it up? How many are grateful God's in the reconciliation business? You ought to give him a praise in this place. Amen. I want the enemy to know today. I want anybody associated with me to know today that through Jesus Christ, my sins have been not only blotted out, my sins have been erased. Oh my, my sins are not held to my account anymore. That debt has been canceled, amen. There's a new name written down for me in glory. This is why Jesus came to die. Secondly, Jesus came to absorb the wrath of God. Did we say earlier that sin dishonors God? Sin dishonors God. In what way does sin dishonor God? Sin dishonors God by preferring other things above God. That's why the Bible warns us to be careful about what we love. Because can we love other things more than we love God? Of course we can. We can love our families more than we love God. Of course we can. We can love our children. We can love our babies more than we love God. Pastor, is that a sin? Yes, that is a sin. Because if we love anything more than we love God, we are bluntly saying to God, you'll have to take second place. But how many know he wants to occupy the throne of your heart? Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. How many of us want to know today? Amen. How many of us want to know that that's how much he loved us? That he valued us above the life of his own son. Am I right? That's what John 3.16 said. Oh, how Jesus must have felt. Hanging on that cross in isolation. Separated from his father. And the splendor of all of heaven. To die for undeserving people. Just like you. And like me. I don't know how it makes anybody else feel. I can only account for me. But I want to spend my life attempting to repay Jesus for what he did in a moment on Calvary. Brother Marty, oh God, I think sometimes, I think sometimes about the Ray Bolt song, Does He Still? feel the nails every time that I fail but he's merciful and he's just and he's loving and he's long suffering brother Arliss but it cannot help but pique my interest in does, does, does Jesus go through that pain over and over again when I'm prompted by the Spirit of God to know, no, he suffered once, and he'll never have to suffer again. Come on, do you love Jesus here at Harvest Church today? Do you love Jesus? I want us to understand not only did Jesus come to reconcile us to God and absorb the raft of God. Oh, my. Oh, I love this about Jesus. 
He came so we could escape the curse of the law. Say, Pastor, wait a minute. You, you got to give the law its due. For Paul gave the law its due. Brother Greg, Paul said, were it not for the law, I wouldn't have known I was sinning. Paul said, the law served as my schoolmaster. In other words, it, it pointed me in the era of my ways. So without it, I would have never known that I was sinning. Brother Pastor Steve, in all the good things the law did do, there was one that it couldn't. And that is it was powerless to save. It was powerless to save. My grandfather used to use these words. He used to say through an eye of faith. I didn't understand it at the time. I was just a little boy. But down through the years. Woo! Glory to God. God's been good to me. Looking back over my life. God's been good to me. I wonder who else would take an inventory here in just a few short seconds and realize God's been good to me. Huh. He'd been a father when I had none. He's been one that sticks closer than a brother. Anybody here? So when I look back over my life, I can't help but give him praise. I can't help but glorify him. I can't help but thank him. And that's why I want to invest the balance of my life given here on this earth. To proclaim his goodness. I want to tell others of the good things that the Lord has done for me. I want to tell him that one day. Ah, I want to tell him, sister, that one day I was undeserving. That one day all of my righteousness was just filthy rags. But he came anyway. I want to tell this dying world. Ah, that though I didn't deserve it. Ah, Jesus came anyway. I want to tell my friends. I want to tell my neighbors. I want to tell my family. There was nothing good in me. There was nothing good in me. But the song said he saw the best in me. When everyone else could only see the worst in me. Woo! Glory to God. I know that in the eyes of a lot of people, I may not have accomplished what I had dreams to. But I know today, glory to God, that I belong to him. Hallelujah. I know today that he has me in the palm of his hand. I know that when the storms blow, he's the rock on which I stand. I know today, glory to God, he has great plans. And we've only seen the tip of the iceberg, saints of God. I need somebody to help me today. Jesus didn't just come to save sinners. Jesus came to reconcile man back to God. said I was the cheapest among sinners but he died for me Satan want to hold your past over your head you hear me Satan wants to tell you that nothing you could ever do could make you right with God. And he's right with one exception. And that exception is this. That I come to Jesus confessing and with my heart repenting. And then the Bible Brother Oceanus tells me I become a child of God. Yeah. 
We live in a cruel world. In this world live a lot of hateful people. Brother Jeff, Jesus said you in the world. But you're not of the world. Hmm? Mr. Sylvia, he said my citizenship, my conversation is already in heaven. You better hear me today. It ain't up to you. It ain't up to me. But it's up to Jesus. And that angel opened that book in the book of Revelation. Sister Lynn, it's the book of life. And just as soon as he finds our name, we know that we're going to forever be in the presence of God, Sister Heather. And we'll never be removed again. So when the church is raptured out of here, let me say this to any center person under my voice. Let me say to you when the church is raptured out of here, that's going to be when you know who belongs to Jesus. Are you with me? You're going to know then. You're going to know then who belongs to Jesus. Because the Bible said two in the bed, one be taken, and the other left behind. Come on, saints of God. This is word. This is the Bible. This isn't, this isn't Pastor Terry one and one. This is what thus saith the word of Almighty God. Not only did Jesus come to bear the penalty of sin, not only did Jesus come to save sinners, Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. Jesus came. You sticking with me now? Are you with me? You tracking? Jesus came so we could escape the curse of the law. Jesus came to absorb the wrath of God for sin. Look at Galatians 3 and 13 again. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Can somebody thank Jesus for the blood today? Can somebody thank Jesus for his sacrifice? Can somebody just lift a hand and say, Jesus, I love you? Can somebody just say, I want to... I want to thank you that over, even though you, you didn't have to do it, Lord, you did. Can somebody just shout it real loud and let the devil know, amen to God, that he became the wrath-absorbing presence of God for your sin. Can you just lift both hands and tell him today, Lord, I thank you. I want to thank you. I want to give you praise. I want to give you glory. God, I want to give you honor. I don't want to be ashamed of you, but I want to let the world know that I belong. not condemned anymore but I've been set free by the blood of the lamb I need somebody to know today just how much Jesus loves you you ready love you so much that he forfeited the pleasure of heaven the Bible said John 1 and 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God but the Greg he goes on to tell us and the word became flesh and he dwelled among us you know how much Jesus loves you brother Jesus loved you so much that he took off all his majestic splendor he was seated at the right hand of God Brother Robbie, he disrobed of all that to come to earth as a baby born in a manger in a stable in Bethlehem. 33 and a half years he lived on this planet. The last three and a half years of his life devoted to his call of ministry. And the Bible said he'd taken the inner circle of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he went to the garden to pray. And the Bible said he prayed so intently that drops of sweat became as blood. I'm sure those in the medical field, Sister Kelly, Brother Jody, Sister Gail, Sister Crystal, Brother Arvis, any others I've missed, please 
except my power. But I promise any of you in the medical field, you could give us the medical term for what Jesus experienced in that moment. He looked at his disciples and they were asleep. But the Bible said, Brother Marty, he prayed, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But understanding before the very presence of God that it was the will of God for himself to be crucified for the sins of man, the Bible said that Jesus said, not my will, Father, but your will be done. And you need to know the value that he places in you as an individual and why he came to die. I'm trying to close this service. I want us to know that Romans 8 and 1 tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says who, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. What does that mean? That means guilt. There's no more guilt Christ has taken away the guilt of our shame and our sin. And what the author is trying to help us understand is that if we're in Christ, that, that notes that there's a relationship. Are you with me? It says in Christ. If we are in Christ, that denotes there is a relationship. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ who are in relationship. What about to those individuals who have not trusted Jesus for salvation? I can help you real quick. You're standing in the midst of your guilt and shame. But if you trust Jesus, he'll wipe it all away. He'll give you a new docket. You can start all over again. Am I right, saints? This is what Jesus does. It's what he does. One more thing I want to share with you is that Jesus came to die to give us eternal life. Not just to a select few, but to everyone who believes on him. Sister Ferdinand, I need you to understand something with me today. And that is that everyone is going to spend eternity somewhere. You listening? Everyone is going to spend eternity somewhere. Preacher, we don't, you know, we don't need to hear this long. No, there's only two options. There's no long list of options. We go to a restaurant. If we don't like what's on the menu, we ask them, have they got something else? We go to a restaurant and they got it divided. They got poultry dishes. They got beef dishes. They got pork dishes. They got fish dishes. Are you with me, Brother Jeff? I mean, my grandpa would say, to be sure, we can find something on there we can eat. Got me? But how many of you know God don't give us those options? God don't give us a menu. God tells us choose life, Brother Timmy, that we'll live. Because if we choose death, we're going to die. Brother Jonathan, choosing death means that I choose to eternally be separate from God. Are you following me? Somebody said, don't talk about hell. Well, hell is a reality. I said, hell is a reality. We only want to hear of the goodness of heaven, but hell is a reality. The Bible speaks of a lake of fire and brimstone which burns forever and ever and then goes on to tell us this is the second, this is the final separation of humankind from God. Am I right? This is the Bible. It's not something I've trumped up. This is the word of the living God. And whether we want to accept that or not depends upon us. But one day we're going to stand before God. And we're going to be judged according to the things we've done while here upon the earth. Eternal life is not just a length of life. Eternal life is a quality of life. The ushers are coming. They're going to dismiss you. Sister Oxendine is making her way. But I want to pray with you. Can I pray with you today? Can I pray with you? Because I don't have to ask anybody. I already know. There are lost people in this place. 
There are lost people here today. And I didn't come to embarrass you. I just came to let you know why Jesus came to die. Why Jesus came to die. Christianity within itself does not only acknowledge the cruelty of the cross. One Easter Sunday morning, we played a video of an excerpt from The Passion of the Christ. And I watched a young man, Brother Kirk, sitting about where you are. And I watched as they took Jesus up that rugged, up that old hill toward Golgotha. And they beat him with that cat of nine tails till the flesh was ripping from his body. And that young man tore out of here like he was on fire. And the Spirit of God prompted me to go where he was. And when I went to where he was, you know what he said to me, Brother Jerry? He said, Preacher, it's a good thing I wasn't there when they did that to Jesus. In an instant, he began to speak of the action that he would have taken would he have been there present during that time. It was then, Brother Jody, that the Holy Ghost prompted me to ask him, well, if you would act on his behalf then, why won't you serve him now? If you would act on his behalf then, why won't you make a commitment to serve him now? Those events have happened, Sister Darian, they can't be erased. But we can make a commitment to serve Christ right now. We can go forward from this point. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed across this auditorium. I don't want anybody looking around. This is the most serious part of this service. I don't need anybody looking around, just me. If you need prayer, the altar of God is open. The altar of the Lord is open. There's access to it all the way around if you need prayer. Because I need to help you understand something. Salvation is between you and God. It doesn't take any other individual to complete the equation. Romans said, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, if thou would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and God has raised him from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. That's it. So you need to call on Jesus wherever you are. If you're lost today, I want to pray for you. Can I see a hand of any person who will acknowledge right here today, be completely transparent in the presence of God. I'm lost without Jesus. Pastor, remember me. God bless these hands. They're going up all over the building. God bless these hands. Thank you for your honesty. And I want to remember you. I want to remember you. And it's my prayer. It's my prayer. You'll come to Jesus while you have the time. While you have the time. I've already said to you how much he loves you. I've already told you why he came to die. And the Bible said he's already made us to sit in heavenly places when we trust him for salvation. He loves you and I love you. I want to pray for you. Close this service. Amen. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you today that you've chosen to assemble here with us today. And Lord, we have sensed that by your presence that has dwelt with us through this service. Now we know that your word hasn't gone out and fallen on deaf ears, but it has penetrated the hearts of all who are here today. Lord, I pray that before their life is required of them, they would make a decision to serve you as Lord of their life. And I pray the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, that it would follow them until they make a confession. As a matter of fact, right now, God, it's my prayer that their sleep will be troubled. It's my prayer that their food will not taste the same until they acknowledge you as Lord of their life. Some people may say, God, that's the craziest thing that I've ever heard. But in my heart, I believe we as individuals need to understand 
how serious a matter this is. I've lost family here today, Lord. And it's my desire to see them come to salvation. I have lost family who are viewing via social media. I want to see them saved. Now, Lord, according to your faithfulness and our love for you, would you grant us these things that we've asked? Go into the homes of all those today who are lost without you. Convict their heart. Bring them to salvation. Touch the sick and afflicted. Heal them from all their wounds and diseases. Lord, continue to guide us in the manner that you have chosen for us. And for it, Father, we will glorify the greatness of your name. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's church said amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here today. We love you in the love of the Lord.